Utah's 2023 football schedule has got a lot of bad news in it, but there's some good news too. Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show. We're approaching 2,000 subs on the YouTube channel. I cannot thank you enough. Let's make it happen, shall we? And today's episode has been made happened, which is great English, by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And we will start and end today's show with my man JT Wistersill of Locked On. You can't talk Utah without you, JT. Great to have you back on the show and Utah's schedule. <laughs> Boy, that's a, that's what they call a gauntlet. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. I mean, uh, it's just not the way you want to start, right? This is the year you want to have like that extra San Diego State game in or just some other Mountain West opponent. Not the year you want to get an SEC school coming to you and then the week later or potentially they'll have more time. That game actually might be played on a Thursday against Florida. But then you go down to Waco and that's not even talking about the, the rest of the absolute gauntlet. You don't get like last year, Utah got lucky, right? They ducked Washington. That's not the case this year. They have to play Washington. A lot of their toughest games on the road too. It is going to be really tough for this Utah team to three peat, but they, it's what helps when you have all the talent coming back. So it's going to definitely, it's going to be a fun season to watch and see because it's not going to be easy. No, it is not. And the path to a three peat is certainly there, but man, it, it's, it's of course there because you have Kyle Whittingham, you have Cam Rising, you have Jaquindon Jackson coming back, a lot of other notable players because it, it's Utah and you just can't count them out. And we here at Lockdown Pack 12 never count out the Utes, never have, never will. Someone was telling you all season long to not sell your Utah stock. I wonder who that could have been. Anyway, um, moving on to the Utes 2023 schedule here. There is a silver lining with this difficult schedule. Number one, your non-conference in no way affects your ability to three-peat as conference champions and get back to the Rose Bowl and maybe perhaps they try winning it this time, which would be awesome, I know, for Utes fans. But that non-conference slate, JT, you host Florida, you go at Baylor the next week before you host Weber State, which by the way, I don't think Utah will have a problem, but if there was an FCS program that was going to give you a problem, Weber State would be among the 5 to 10 that that you would probably mention, but that that shouldn't be of major concern there. But those two games, Florida and Baylor, the downside is that's tough. I I mean, you you lost to Florida this year, should have beaten them. Utah was a better team overall, just didn't come out on top. But then you have to go at Baylor. Those are both really respectable programs. In different stages, I, I think, you know, I trust Dave Aranda at this time more than Billy Napier. But the upside, JT, of that brutally tough schedule is that you are looking at a college football playoff resume caliber schedule. And no one can dispute that. No, not not at all. If you, I mean, if you somehow make it through that as a one-loss conference champion, I mean, you are absolutely 
in the thick of the season. Oh, hundred, a hundred percent. You'll be in it. So, but yeah, we talk about the schedule. I mean, you feel got to feel a lot better about week one, right? I think everyone was feeling great about week one this past season because look, it was still this Utah team that was loaded with all the guys coming back, so you felt really good. But look, it's really hard to go cross country on the road, especially in playing in the summertime in Florida in that early September slate. Still, it is still really hot down there. They have to come to Utah, altitude, everything a little different up there. And I just don't think there's the same hype around the Florida Gators because there's not any Anthony Richardson. I know Graham Mertz is there now. You want to talk about a roller coaster of a college quarterback? That's Graham Mertz. I think it's going to be – look, there's going to be no Clark Phillips, but there's a lot of other key contributors back on this Utah defense. I don't think that's going to be um, – I don't think by any means they're going to come in there and march all over them. I, I'll say this. I would be surprised if the first loss that Utah's had at home since 2018 – with fans in the stands, because they did lose during COVID, but that's that defeats the purpose. Doesn't count. Yeah, exactly. So I would be surprised if it came there. It's going to be really tough to go down to Waco, and that's why I'm really hoping that that game against Florida is a Thursday night because it gives the Utes extra time to prepare for Baylor, to travel down there, get ready for it. This is a team that hasn't made it through their non-conference. When you look at their non-conference road schedule over the past couple seasons in 2021 and 2022, they lost to BYU. They also lost to San Diego State. And then, of course, last season, they had the tough loss to Florida right off the bat. So it's going to be incredibly hard to go down and beat Baylor and Waco. It's still a program that is going to be really motivated because they're coming off a down year. I don't feel like it's this thing where it's like, oh, there's no way we can go in there. I think we can definitely beat them. But it's just really hard to go into someone else's house and win. And as for the Weber game, I'll say this. Um, Jay Hill was the former coach at Weber State. He is now the defensive coordinator at BYU. So a little bit of a coaching change there. I think if Jay Hill was there, you sweat a little bit more about it. But to your point, you mentioned early on, like I think at that point, it's going to be a game where the red shirts and everyone are playing by the time the fourth quarter rolls around. But uh, that's what you kind of need when your first two weeks are no joke. I think it's a situation where if Utah goes two and one, you feel fine. Yeah. But if they manage to go three and oh in that stretch, they're going to be starting the season in and around the top 10. And those wins, Florida and Baylor, because we won't fully know you know, what those teams are going to be capable of in 2023 until the season comes to an end, just yeah. the, the brand power of those schools, I think, gives them the pedigree to propel Utah right into the thick of that early season college football playoff discussion. Because if you win both of those games – and you're already a preseason top 15 team, which Utah probably will be, it's hard to see how you could get left out of it. So that's definitely the the good news for the Utes. The bad news is if you told me right now they went one and two, I'm not I, I wouldn't pick that to happen. I wouldn't also be over the moon surprised if it yeah. did happen. Like that's that's a real possibility, though I don't think a likely one. Yeah, I would be, man, I, I'll tell you what, I'd be very concerned about what the season would hold for Utah if Graham Mertz came into Utah yeah. and really lit it up when you look at all the other places that Utah's going to have to go on the road to do. But then let's say if it's some weird scenario where like Utah loses at home, but then they go on the road and beat Baylor, then it's kind of like, it feels like an incomplete grade on this team through two weeks, which you can say that about a lot of teams, but I feel like especially when you have such two drastic results. But yeah, if you, I mean, 3-0 and is awesome, outstanding, depending on what happens across the country, could be a top 10 team, because as you mentioned, it feels like 
like this team is look they started the season ranked seventh i just think when you look at some of the losses how the season ended against penn state you look utah lost the rose bowl last year right to ohio state but you felt really good about him coming out of that i don't think people feel as good about the most recent one even though cam was hurt you also look at who were these teams two best players that's dalton kincaid and clark phillips the third they're both gone now you still get cam and a lot of the other key contributors back but whenever you lose two guys who clark's probably gonna be a first round pick dalton should be a second or third so you lose high profile guys like that i don't think they'll be picked as high probably somewhere in the top 15 but could easily find themselves in the top 10 but as you mentioned i think if it's any scenario where it's two and one and as i said i think the home loss would be the most concerning thing but outside of that i think if you if you lose a baylor it's not like we're really going to stress about that because it is really hard to go on the road and win in just a place like Waco where they get, I mean, they, they're ready to go. I mean, we know what yep. they, Dave Aranda and that team have been capable of over the past few seasons. I'm not counting them out. No, I, I don't anticipate them remaining as a six and six program mm -hmm. as the years go on. But even if they do, it's still not easy to beat a power five, six and six team, especially early in the year when everyone's still got that hunger, that drive for conference titles and the college football playoff and all that sort of stuff. But then league play begins and it's, a great start from a conference perspective to league play. Less so for the Utes, which we'll tell you about. And later in the show, we're getting to another team schedule, which is oh so fascinating for many reasons. But first, let's talk about FanDuel. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and Easy. New customers, join today. Get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's it. As you eye the AFC and NFC championship games this weekend, I would look at the Bengals. Minus one and a half. That line has moved significantly. Whatever you're looking for, same game parlays, spreads, player props, money line, it's all there, all in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet. Get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Week four in the Pac-12 is going to be so great. I'm I'm excited for it already. It's the end of January, JT, and we're talking about something that's the end of September. And I, I can't wait or October. I mean like I I can't wait. I already <laughs> cannot wait as you can tell. And Utah begins conference play. Boy, tough matchup. UCLA. You get them at home this year, which is great, but not exactly how you would love to start conference play. I think what this tells us, the first four, really the first five weeks for Utah, we're going to know what Utah is capable of really, really quick. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, UCLA with Chip Kelly has been able to build that program in new coming into their house and Last year, what happened to the Utes? Look, that was a really when kind of everything turned, right? Like you look on the road loss to Florida, it's like, okay, this Utah team is still really good. But then they got really taken to the woodshed at the Bruins' place, and it was really a bummer of a game for the Utes. So it kind of felt like, all right, what's this team's ceiling? What, what are they capable of? I think Utah is going to be really fired up to play UCLA. But after that, it doesn't get much easier because you got a short week. You go on a Friday night to Oregon State. So that's, I mean, Oof. that's going to be extremely tough, tough as well. I think that. DJ Uyunglele is going to be a big addition for Jonathan Smith and his team. And I, I really like 
what Oregon State's built. And I think that could very well be a loss for the Utes. Just a big picture thing on Utah's schedule I want to mention really quick. There's one thing I like about Utah's schedule because we just talked about how brutal those two games are in a row, right? But then you get a little bit of a break, and it's not just because of the bye week because you take on Cal. When you look at Utah's easier games on their schedule outside of the Weber State game, to me, that's Cal, Arizona State, and then you look at like the Colorado one later in the season. I, there's never a stretch of three games that I feel like are brutal for the Utes versus a team like USC has to end the season. Washington's end of the season is like four brutal games. That's the one thing I like. Although there's a lot of tough games on the Utes schedule, they never come in a stretch of three. There's always that one where I feel like, okay, this is the kind of one where maybe Cam's still in on the final drive, but the game should be taken care of by that point. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I think that's a benefit for Utah. But still, you look at the schedule. It's just the, those first five games. If Utah were to take a massive, I mean, like colossal step back in twenty twenty three for reasons unforeseen at this point in time, those are cal. Those programs are of a caliber where they could only win one or two games total in in that five game stretch if they don't show up week after week and. The Utes know exactly how tough it is to go to Reeser. They lost last time they were there. And the Beavs at Reeser Stadium, by the way, have been really, really good. Only team that's won there in the last couple of seasons has been USC. And the Trojans should have lost that game. If, if not for a fourth and six Bush push or Chance Nolan's four interceptions. Like that was a very winnable game. That's the only time they've lost at Reeser over the last couple of years. Here's something that I think goes in the category of bad news reacting to Utah's schedule here. Where your buy comes in can be very helpful depending on who the opponent after the buy is. They go buy and then Cal at home. And that's a game where you're like, no, 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 no. I want Cal at home after we play USC on the road. Yep. Like that's the biggest thing where if I were a Utah fan, I'd say, man, couldn't we have gone by USC on the road and then Cal at home? Instead, it's by Cal at home. I guess you get a quote unquote tune up of sorts because I don't think Cal will be very good in 2023, but they're never terrible. I don't think they'll be, you know, a team you can just walk and roll over. But Utah shouldn't have a problem there at home and you play them and then you go on the road for a showdown with USC and USC will be at least six and one in that game, if not seven <laughs> if if not seven and zero oh, against what could be the greatest three and three Utah team of all time. Yeah. <laughs> it's true though. I mean seriously with how hard the schedule is, if any if those games don't break the Utes way, which it would be I mean it's crazy to think they could be three and three, but they absolutely can when you look at the schedule because it is such a gauntlet. But that USC game, man, is that gonna be fun. I just think Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley you want to talk about two guys just ultra motivated. I don't think they've have a very short term memory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's well, exactly. Um, well said without saying anything. I mean, I think that they are going to be really locked in. I think that is going to be just a brutal game for the Utes. And as you mentioned, the timing of the buy does in that way is really unfortunate where sometimes it can help like after a buy in terms of like getting healthy too, but just like when you come off a buy and then have a four week, Four game stretch basically of USC, Oregon, Arizona State at home should be win. But then Washington right after that, with two of those games being on the road and the other one being an Oregon team, where there's still players on that roster that I think remember the last time what happened when they went up to Rice Eccles Stadium. And especially they're going to be frustrated. I think that they beat Utah head to head. And yet, still, because of all the crazy tiebreakers and scenarios and all that stuff, too, that then Utah got to go to. 
into the Pac-12 championship. So I just think that it's it's a really brutal schedule for the Utes, and I totally agree with you about the bye. I think that the bye is in a really unfortunate place. If I could pick where I'd like to put the bye, I think I would like to put it right after that USC game. To your point, I think you mentioned the same thing, basically. That's where I would rather have it be. And I'd re- yes, coming off it to play Arizona, um, coming off it to play Oregon, I think that would give them the extra time, too. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's going to be a brutal schedule for the Utes. There's no way around it. Going up to Washington, going to Oregon State, going to USC, you get a home game against Oregon. I am I hate to say this. This is the season where I think that home winning streak that I mentioned, I think it's going to come to an end. You just don't see teams keep it up for so long. I think it's going to be really hard for the Utes to shave off, whether that is or whether it's Oregon, UCLA, as maybe even it's Florida in week one. You never even know. What if Dion and Colorado do something crazy to end the season? I really, I know, yeah, I, I feel, <laughs> I feel you. But I just feel, I have a bad feeling in my stomach. I, I really do have a bad feeling about it. This is the season that that home winning streak comes to an end for Kyle Whittingham's program. because it, It's certainly oh. not an easy home schedule. It's just a tough schedule in general. Yeah. By the way, for those of you listening on podcasts with regards to what JT said about how I said something without saying anything, I just kind of motioned to four fingernails on either hand. I'll let you decipher what I was perhaps alluding to there. But when I look at the schedule, JT, the the reason that at least at the outset, unless they really show something in those Florida and Baylor games, I I will not be picking the Utes to get back to the conference championship game is because I look at the road games here and I'm going, man, at Oregon State, great team, Tough place to play. At USC, not a super tough place to play, but a really, really good team. At Washington, really good team, really tough place to play. At Arizona, sneaky tough. Yes. And look, we'll see what Arizona is at that point in the season, whether or not they'll be selling out the stadium. But it doesn't take a lot for Arizona to show up in terms of their fan base down there in Tucson. If they're just above 500, they will show up in droves to support their Wildcats. And, and I just look at those road games and think, gosh, you could be an underdog in three of them. You could legitimately be an underdog in three of your four conference road games. And that is that is a difficult place to be. It is a really difficult place to be. This is the kind of year where Utah got lucky last year, right? They got, were able to catch Stanford at home, had to go to Washington State. I mean, they were able to win there with Bryson Barnes. Like those games aren't on the schedule this year. It, it's, a, it's a brutal schedule. It's going to be really tough for this team to repeat as Pac-12 champions. I think the the fortunate thing for Utah, and the reason I think they still have a chance to do so, is because the conference is so dang good. A lot of people have a really difficult <laughs> yeah. schedule. If you just look around, we already mentioned USC. I know they get the buy in the final week, but my gosh, those final few weeks they get Cal. But that's sandwiched between. We already said we don't know what Arizona is going to look like. Notre Dame, Utah. Washington, Oregon, UCLA, Washington's end of the season stretch is really tough yeah. there too. I mean, even Oregon, they still have Washington. They got to play us. They got to play USC. They got to yeah, play Oregon's Oregon is State. Tough. So yeah. yeah, I think everyone you can look at and pick it like four really difficult games. So that's the, that's the fortunate part for the Utes is that number one, as you mentioned earlier, this is the kind of schedule where if you want to take that next step as a program, you can do it with this kind of a schedule because no one's going to be like, look at their cupcakes. No, that didn't happen. We only got one Weaver's. We got one Weaver's name in there. And outside of that, it's in a gauntlet with this much quarterback talent in the conference. And look, I mean, a ton of teams, though, I'll say, too, have these great resumes for if they do want to reach the CFP, they're going to have a chance to do so. So it's a really tough schedule for the Utes. But 
They have shown success against a couple of these teams. Yes, Oregon got them last year, but we know they were able to get the Ducks, of course, back in 2021. Utah has USC's number. At least they did last season. Is that going to carry over? I think there's a chance it could. The last time UCLA came out to Utah, and I know DTR is not there anymore, so we'll see if it's different, but that, that got really ugly for them in the end. And the last time Utah went up to Washington, they were able to get a win there too. Very different Washington team now from when they did that last time. But this is Kyle Whittingham. This is Cam Rising. And there's a lot more guys we could dive into where I'm not going to count this team out. But I can also take a step back and say, that's a really tough schedule. Yeah, it's it's really it's really tough. And look, the Utes will be rooting for carnage, which may very well come in conference play because of... Or tiebreakers. Ha- yeah, <laughs> yeah, more... Oh, gosh. Oh, dear. Oh, gosh. I don't want to do that again. Okay, anyway... Um, Another team schedule that that I want to break down with you here, JT, that is fascinating. Very, very fascinating. The schedule for the Washington State Cougars is borderline as favorable as you could find for a team that is continuing to try and elevate their profile. Now, from the outset, Washington State to me feels a little bit like a pullback team. You lost your offensive coordinator and your defensive coordinator in the same season. That can be a lot. They have, you know, made the the necessary moves on, on that front. And I do like Jake Dickert. So you've got Cam Ward there. You should have enough weapons. Can they develop more of a running game? I think is the question there. Coming into the schedule release, I, I was not that high on Washington State record-wise. But just remember, you are not where your record says you are. One of the big myths of college football. We do not perpetuate that here on Locked On Pac-12. But you look at the schedule for Washington State. They get Wisconsin at home, which, by the way, I, I don't have the stat in front of me. It's the first time in quite a while that a Power 5 opponent has come to Pullman in the non-conference slate. I think is a testament to how much... Washington State's profile as a football program has risen, and they deserve a lot of credit for that because it's hard to do. It's hard up there in Pullman. You have players getting poached by other schools. It's hard to recruit. You don't have a ton of talent in your backyard. You're the number two program in your state to Washington from a brand perspective anyway, but they start at Colorado State. That shouldn't be a problem. By the way, I forgot to mention this yesterday when I was talking about uh, Air Force and other Mountain West teams. Interesting note, and this will come up on a future episode of the show. Colorado State was actually the most viewed Mountain West team in 2022. Has to do with scheduling, I'm sure, but that surprised me as well because they're pretty darn bad. But at Colorado State, Wisconsin at home, Northern Colorado. I don't think they're any worse than 2-1 and one there. But yeah. if you go 3-0... and oh, they, they might have a solid case. Which is really like, possible in Luke Fickle's first year. I, I really like Luke Fickle. I think he's going to turn around at Wisconsin. Right. But it's never easy to go on the road and win, especially when you're traveling Correct. that far. Correct. And Pullman is a difficult place to win, as everybody in the Pac-12 knows. And I think Wisconsin is going to learn. Then they play Oregon State at home. So they get some home cooking after that road game at Colorado State. They go Wisconsin, Northern Colorado. That'll be an easy win. And then they host Oregon State. The Beavs have struggled up there. And by the way, we were talking about week four and how great it is it is going to be in that first full slate of conference games. That's kind of the second or third biggest game. Like that's one of the ones I'm keeping my eye on. Like Washington State, Oregon State. Both programs trying to take a jump. Oregon State feels more poised to do it. Yes. But Washington State at home, they're really, really tough. And then they go into their bye before they go at UCLA. That that is 
that is a dream start yeah. from a scheduling perspective. We'll see how the games actually play out. But on the outset, looking at the schedule for the Cougs, couldn't be much better for Jake Dickert's team. I love how you were talking about how Washington State could basically Oregon State, Oregon State, right? That's what Oregon State's <laughs> done all these years, right? Yeah. They've been this one. Their teams come up there, and then their dreams fall apart. And now these expectations for Oregon State's getting raised. And that's what could very well happen. But no, I totally agree with you when you're talking about the light start to the schedule where if I had to guess, I would say 2-1. and one. I think Wisconsin is going in going to go in there and get a win. But, I mean, hey, I wouldn't be surprised at all, as I mentioned, because of how hard it is to play on the road in conference. Oregon State, we you already talked about their struggles on the road, of course. You get UCLA after the bye. I'm still curious to see what this UCLA team is going to look like. And then Arizona is another one, too. I'm interested to see Arizona, too. It feels like Jaden Delora, Coach Fish, and his program taking that next step. That's going to be a lot of fun to look at, too. The Oregon game is going to be really tough, I think, when you talk about Bo Nix and what he's able to do. But you've talked about most of those games so far. I really want to focus on the end. I don't think anyone would be surprised if the four worst teams in the Pac-12 next season were Arizona State, Stanford, Cal, and Colorado. Mm-hmm. And then you have Washington right after that. That's what I'm talking the about. Team at the very end, those, those four teams is how they close out the season and overall with those five games, only one of them being a really hard one to win to me. You talk about a scheduling break, gift, call it whatever yeah. you want. Washington State in 2023 – because they still have the the North and South kind of in place just for scheduling purposes, but of course they don't matter for the conference championship game, they are missing USC and Utah. Yeah. And they have a bye before they play UCLA. Mm -hmm. uh, Other than that UCLA game being at home, you couldn't go through the South in an easier fashion. Missing the Utes and the Trojans, who played in the conference championship game a year ago, and then getting a, getting your bye right before that UCLA game, it, it's huge. And I have questions about the Cougs going into 2023, but you look at this schedule and you're like, man, that that is not one of the tougher ones in the Pac-12. So after they go at UCLA, which is in week six it's their fifth game they play arizona at home they beat arizona on the road i think they'll be able to beat them up in pullman then they go at oregon that's probably a loss at Autzen stadium at arizona state stanford at home at cal colorado at home man and you get all that before you go at washington you look at this schedule and look i think that wisconsin game will tell us a lot about what washington state can be in 2023 but I, I've been going through these schedules and writing down notes of good news and bad news. And I'm looking through like, what's the bad news? You have to play Washington on the road? Yeah, you got to play Washington and Oregon on the road. Well, Washington State hasn't beaten them that many times. There was a stretch where they dominated Oregon for a few seasons. But those are going to be challenging games anyway. So having them be part of your conference road schedule is almost like, well, it's going to be tough and we were probably going to be underdogs in in those games regardless. So might as well have them be road games and be able to stack up some wins. I just look at the schedule and think, man, if Washington State can refine a couple things, find some production after losing Eric Morris to go be the head coach at North Texas, I, I, I could see eight wins here. I do. 
I can too. I mean, it's, it seems crazy when we talk about it, but you look at it like there's a world where maybe let's say they start out three and oh, right. Maybe they get Wisconsin. And then all of a sudden, let's say it's crazy. They fall to oh and four, right. They lose to Oregon state. They lose to UCLA. They lose to Arizona. They lose to Oregon. And then you're like, and then just that flip switches where it's just like, you know what guys, we had a struggle. Like, let's just turn around. And then they go four and oh against those inferior opponents. We talked about at least the inferior on paper. And then you're going to a rivalry game in the apple cup against Washington. And we know how crazy stuff can get in rivalry games. So I feel, I feel really good about their schedule and I can absolutely see eight wins to your point too. I don't know if I'd predict eight wins because it just feels like one of those other teams that we've kind of talked about that should be towards the bottom of the conference. It feels like one of them will be able to get them. I'm not really ready to say which one that would be maybe Colorado, but we got a lot left to determine with that buff. I'd pick Colorado or Cal amongst, amongst the four who we think are the bottom. And I agree, Arizona state, Stanford, Cal, Colorado. Mm -hmm. I would probably take that Cal game because it's on the road. Colorado second most likely to pull an upset, then ASU, then Stanford. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. And then you go into rivalry. So like you said, I can absolutely see eight wins. I mean, this could be a wild season up in Pullman. And it's, once again, another reason why the Pac-12 is just going to be so incredible because we have all these different soap operas and dramas going on and just roller coasters <laughs> and whatever you yeah. want to say. It's going to be fantastic. And September and August just need to be here already. Dang I know. Good. I know. I know. We need – we really we really do need it because Pac-12 basketball at the moment, yikes. Major, major, major yikes hey, at this point in time. Really quick. I'm sorry. I got to get it in once. How about those By all means. Right how about looking those nice. Looking, looking nice. Marco Anthony, Raleigh Wooster. Doing some nice things. Got to beat some of the better teams. I mean, they've struggled against some, but they're beating who they should, and they already got more wins than they got last season. It was a winless January last year, so we're just fired up to get some wins this time of the year. <laughs> yeah, ba- ba- baby steps. I want to close with this thought on the Washington State schedule. When you look at the teams they're playing, I only see two where in my mind I go, that's almost an automatic loss. Like, it would be a pretty yeah. sizable upset if they won, and that's at Oregon and at Washington. Every other game on this schedule, I foresee a very realistic scenario where Washington State could win, including at UCLA, by the way. You don't have a tough road environment, and they're resetting at quarterback. They're losing a bunch of other pieces as well, right? Jake Bobo's not there. Zach Charbonnet isn't going to be there. Like, they are having to reset. Now, you know, Chip Kelly's used the portal very, very well, and you imagine he'll be able to again. But that's one where I do feel Washington State can be competitive. Like, if you told me right now, I, I think Washington State's season will be defined in two games in their first four weeks, and they're both at home, and it's Wisconsin and Oregon State. Yeah, You could have a chance going into your bye to be in the top 25. Easy. You beat Wisconsin and Oregon State. You got both teams at home. I don't think it's completely out of the realm of, of possibility. That, that schedule, I've been in the back of my mind just not feeling great about where Washington State's going, just for 2023, not necessarily in the long term with Jake Dickert at the helm. But you got Cam Ward there. You got Dickert. You know they're going to be able to bring it defensively, even though they're losing some some key pieces. I just I look at that schedule and think, man, you got a lot of opportunities, a lot of, of opportunities there. I can attest to that. I saw your eyes light up before the show started when you really started. <laughs> when you were really thinking about it, kind of going through it. And look, I, I think you're absolutely right when you talk about those two pivotal games. I think if this team wants to reach that kind of like if they have any chance of reaching that eight win ceiling, they got to get one of Wisconsin or Oregon State early on. I think that yeah, yeah, you got to get one. You got to you you got to get one to start this. If not on form, I bet if you're two and two, if you're two and two to start the season, that's where I think you get a little concerned. And I know you look like I said. I think the only one that I look at like I'd be really surprised is the Oregon. 
one. As crazy as it is, just things happen in rivalry games. If you're telling me that they beat Washington that final week, I know it's crazy, but man, just teams find a way sometimes in those rivalry games. Things get absolutely wild. So I'm not ruling that off the table either, that they can't go up there and get a win and get a what would be an unbelievable performance to get an Apple Cup dub. Road team has won each of the last two Apple Cups. Hey. Just just something to to throw out there. And we've got sir. yep. And <laughs> we've got uh, plenty more schedules and whatnot to dive into. If you got any questions or anything you want me to go through on the show, by all means hop in the YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter as well. You can also fan, find my man JT Wistersill, host of Locked On Utes, over there or on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts for daily Utah coverage. JT, a pleasure as always, my friend. Always fun, Spence, and as always, go Utes. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time, and have a wonderful rest of your day.